It's no BS. It's Trent Valley, Luke Sloan, Matt Merrifield, episode three. And really hate to do a depression episode because this is no BS. And, you know, we don't like any kind of BS. But unfortunately, we're doing a depression episode. We're a couple days removed now from a loss to Iowa at the Breslin Center. And it doesn't really feel great because I've been watching a lot, a lot of college hoops all week. It's been very fun getting that March feeling, and we're kind of back into a mediocre state like we were. But hey, let's try to be optimists. How you doing, Trent? Oh, I'm great. I'm always an optimist. Always. You Look, there this are many things on the you, menu. Trent, I give you credit. There are many things on the menu of no BS that I am not, but optimist is one of them. So Iowa loss or not, we're here to serve you. The Optimist, Sloan, what do we used to call it? The Optimist Caucus? Yes, the Optimist Caucus. I don't know. I just feel like, obviously, I'm a, a Spartan who's going to bleed green and white for the entirety of my life. So, you know, there's nothing any of these teams can do to get me fully off board. But I found myself this season way too many times screaming at my TV, being kicked out of various places for screaming at my TV. <laughs> I watched the Iowa game with my grandmother. I don't think she was pleased at my swearing. and. You know, I was so PO'd, the cat ran in the other room. Poor Smokey ran ran in the other room, was so scared at my my actions. Is this the same Grandma Sloan who listened to Green and White Report all the time? Yes, she, she would text in. Uh, I, I believe she's also a loyal listener of this program. But Matt, you know, Merrifield, I hope that, uh, you know, you're, you're not uh, causing scenes like I was. Can I get a... Check your pulse right now about the Spartans. Yeah. First off, I have to issue a technical foul for cursing in front of your grandmother watching Michigan State hoops. That's hey, just not acceptable. When Michigan State is on the TV and or radio, I, I think there's nothing you can do. It, it, it Swear words don't count when the Spartans are playing. That's what I say. I will give you credit. The last time I watched Michigan State basketball with my grandparents was when Miles Bridges hit the uh, shot over against Purdue in what was that, 2018? Oh, yeah. And- Oh, yeah. minutes into that game, State was down four, and my grandmother would have kept saying, we're going to lose. Like, they always do this. I'm like, Grandma, we're not even at the under 16. Um, <laughs> so I give you time, but let's watch our language next time, sir. Hang on, hang on. Um, okay, Grandma, baby. we're not even at the under 16. That needs to be like a clip right there. So <laughs> I don't really want to delve into this you know, it was Iowa 78, Michigan State 71. Again, we all would have loved to have. Frustration is a plenty. I guess I don't want to oversimplify this, but it just seems like we've kind of had to take this test many times this year. It's a worry level. What's your worry level out of 10 right now, Trent? I'm sitting at like a solid six. You know, I, I uh, later in this episode, we've got a very interesting in or out question about the future of this basketball team that I think is going to spark an interesting conversation. but. It's like a six, you know, I think they could still do fine things. They could make the second weekend. I wouldn't be shocked at all. But, like, this team plays up to the good opponents and plays down to the bad ones, and this was another example of that, in my opinion. The big disappointment here was, and Matt can attest to this, so I'm excited to see what he says, But because uh, we were texting throughout the week. The big thing here was that Michigan State's ceiling – had risen to like a five seed. They could have been a five. They could have been a five had they beaten Iowa. And at that point, if you're a five seed, I mean, you've got some people around America who are like 
picking you to picking win it you all. To win it all. Yeah. Yes. So it's a little different from where last season when they were a seven, and I know a lot of our listeners remember that. That's a little different because it's like if you're a seven, it's like the vibes change. It's like, oh, if you make the sweet 16, that's a successful year. Problem here, as we well know, in our group chat and our, our, our Rico's Angels, our family group chat, uh, the, the expectations have been very high this season. I mean, this was a preseason number four team. So, Sloan, my worry level for the team, I'm going to put it firmly at a five. And I hate the fact that I'm just you know using what? a, a cop five out. is a lot for you, Trent. Optimist I, caucus. I, I hate the fact that I'm just using a cop-out answer. A five could go one way, could go another. But I truly do feel that way because until – I'm, I'm operating on two principles here right now. Number one, until I'm proven otherwise, I'm not betting against Tom Izzo. I'm not betting against Michigan State basketball. I, I'm talking like even Sloan, you and my, you and me, our uh, junior year of college when we were covering the team remotely. We're not supposed to make the tournament. We're, we're not, not supposed, supposed to make, to make the, tournament. the tournament. Had no chance to make it. And then all of a sudden in the last week, they beat Ohio State number five, Illinois number four. I don't remember if that was the exact rankings, but bottom line, they beat two top 10 teams in the final week or two of the season, and they sneaked their way on it. And ever since then, if I didn't need further confirmation, that was the moment where I was like, I'm never betting against this team heading into March. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at a five. Um, See, I don't feel great about them. You know, Go ahead. You mentioned the number five. We were painting pictures of this team as a five seed. Just just a couple days ago, now it's kind of like hey, they kind of have sunk right back down to that seven or eight line, which has kind of become all too familiar these last couple of years here. It stinks, Merrifield, and I want your opinion on this because, you know, this team will trend up and you'll think, man, they could, you know, get a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. They could be the four. You know, they're in a nice advantageous spot in the Big Ten standings. Maybe we could move up a seed line or two and then something like this happens where I'm looking at some bracketology stuff today, and we're like an eight again. So it, it's just like we're back at square one. Yeah, I I feel like we're at the point, though, with this leadership group of Walker and Hogart and Hall, where we've seen this so many times, um, and it doesn't really change my ceiling for this team, to be completely fair. like Because come March time, this team's going to show up. Because the last three years in the what now, they played three games in March last year. They played two the year before when they lost to Duke. I mean, all five of those games, they showed up and played really good basketball. I mean, they lost to Kansas State. I mean, I saw it kind of going around Twitter this last week. That loss to Kansas State was a – both teams deserved to win that game. Kansas State just made one It was one of the best college play. basketball games of last year, Mike. It was – it sucked that we were fans of that game and couldn't just enjoy it for what it was. And then the Duke game two years ago, like I, so from the standpoint of this team's going to show up in March. Yes. I think it sucks from a standpoint of uh, now there's a threat of playing UConn or UNC or a Houston game two, um, which you don't want to play. So yes, but I still think if they take care of business, they find a way to win at Mac, even if they don't and they do have a good showing come the big 10 tournament, they can find themselves. I still think getting up to a six seed. And once you get away from those top uh, eight teams, I think there's a lot of beatable teams, especially for this Michigan State team. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. But, I mean, I think I saw if the season ended today, the, their route, they're winning. Two, I know they don't get the double bye, but they're winning two games in the Big Ten tournament. I think right now they would play the winner of Ohio Agreed. State 
it's, I think it's Ohio State Rutgers, I think. And then I don't care who it but I, I, I agree to, with you. They would have to play Northwestern, and then they would have to play Purdue, which obviously um, in Minneapolis, I, I would make that closer to a coin flip because um, I would obviously lean Purdue a little bit, even though we'll kind of see it. They have to bounce back tonight against Rutgers. Uh, but so, so I'm not worried. I still think this team can rise a couple of seeds, and uh, we'll see. But overall, I'm not worried long term. My worry rate or oh, it's like a four. I would contend that you've been more optimistic about this team than Trent has this year. And that's saying something. I, I just, do think you've been more optimistic. I don't know. Like we've been around this. I, I can't, like, it's, we've seen this too many times. Like not that I was expecting them to drop the ball like they did on Tuesday, but like that's happened before. It's going to happen again. It, but probably not. It shouldn't happen the rest of the season. I think hey, that's Matt. the last one, but like, Matt, it, can I, can I interject for a quick, for a quick yeah, second? Because I think, I think too often I end up inadvertently kind of throwing in the fact that I've been an MSU fan my whole life. I throw that into our little family group chat, as I like to call it, and I shouldn't do that. But the reason I do that is because I just want people to understand that, like, I know how this feels. Matt, you just hit the nail on the head with a sledgehammer. Like, this... This happens every year. I don't care if Michigan State's number two in the nation. They lose a game in February that you don't think they should lose. And does it suck? Yes. Does it sting? Yes. But, Matt, I give you credit for maintaining the positivity, maintaining the optimism, because at the end of the day, it's still Michigan State basketball. It's still Tom Izzo. People want to put him in a retirement home. I don't necessarily agree. I'll let you keep going, but I just – I think it's awesome because it just reminds you that like our entire life, I'm talking like 20 plus years here. We have plenty of proof to still have a lot of faith in this team. And I'm even talking last season when they're a seven seed, they go to the sweet 16. Well, it just, I mean, and we look around the nation this year. Oh, this team's been more inconsistent than years past. Everybody's inconsistent this year. I mean, and we kind of saw it with UConn looked unbeatable and they go out on Tuesday night and they lost they lost to Creighton and that wasn't, I mean, that's a little different going on the road um, to a top 15 team in the country, but still like everybody's it's college basketball. They have off nights and this year it's been worse than ever because the parody is at an all time high. So we know when this team is at its best that they can be anybody in the country. And so that doesn't change. Uh, and I think that this team, especially the seniors, they know when it comes time for March, they have to show up because if they don't, it's, it's done. It's over. Their their time here is done. Um, so I'm not worried. Um, I mean, we'll see. But I'm just I, I just get so exhausted seeing people. Everybody like, on Saturday night after beating Michigan. Oh, we've turned the corner. Look at us go. Oh, now the world's ending again. Like it, like I, it's gotta be exhausting doing that every week, right? I I because I don't because I'm not one of those people that overreacts. So at the same time, I just can't, I, and it bothers me. Like, how do people go through this every single week? There are people in Rico's that do that. that every game, it's like the world is ending. And it's like, guys. Hey, it's, that's the life not, of being a sports like, I promise you. Emotions. And, and Matt, Matt, I think that was, that was the point I was trying to make, I guess, is I give you credit for being the guy that is always the, you're unwavering in your takes, you're unwavering in your fandom. And damn it, it makes me sad that you're not a Detroit sports guy with us because I could really use you with some of these Detroit teams. But Sloan, go ahead. Also, I want this kind of optimism this fall about this football team 
I need this kind of optimism out of you because I am really excited and it's February. So bring this once we're recording episodes in like August. That's my only request. A lot of frustration, and it's all warranted, honestly, is drawn out of who's getting this many minutes and who's getting that many minutes and whatever, and what's this rotation look like? And it's been a real Izzo thing these last couple of years, big rotation. He says he wants to make it small. It never ends up being that way. Trent wrote a couple interesting questions on here about who's playing. And this first one is just really frustrating. Obviously, post-Savior Tillman, life just kind of sucks. And Trent's question is, which center between Maudy, Jackson, and Carson Cooper should get the most minutes moving forward? And I see Matt right now in our, our video chat here. He's got his hand on his head because it's frustrating because, you know, I would kill to have a rotation of Julius Marble and Marcus Bingham right about now. <laughs> and in those days, I always thought, wow, this sucks. I miss Xavier Tillman. Now it's gotten worse. At this point, though, Maudie just looks lost. Carson Cooper, you know, can't catch the ball. I'd roll with a couple more Jackson minutes. I think Izzo has lately. I mean, dude can't defend, but he can bring you a little bit of offense from the post. And I've seen him show an occasional bit of scrappiness when on the boards, but it, it's not a perfect situation. So I'd probably advocate for a couple more minutes from Jackson. But this is almost a question that doesn't really have a great answer because I just I mean, it's you're going to play the hot hand, and if that means playing Maudy four minutes a game, then then it does, in my opinion. Well, I think, first off, coming – can the option be none of the above and play small ball like they did for a stretch on Tuesday night? <laughs> well, the five. I down. honestly think in the final six minutes of a game, I see no reason why they shouldn't do that going forward. Just put your best five players out on the floor. Let Malik play the five. Um, but even regardless, going back to the actual centers – I, I've been more impressed with Kohler on the defensive end than at the offensive end as of late. He's an effort guy, which I give him a lot of credit for. His offensive game just isn't there right now, and is it, it's still maybe him trying to get more comfortable. Um, but some of his moves he makes in the post, he looks really good. And some of his moves, I doubt that he picked up a basketball before he stepped in the arena that night. Um, I I would love seeing Booker at the five in the first half. I still don't understand why he's not playing more in the second half. Um, even though I don't really think they used him right at the five because the point of putting him at the five is to stretch out the floor. And Tom give you that loves ability. these like Jackson and Booker lineups or these like, you know, uh, Carson Cooper and Booker lineups. I have no clue why he just doesn't play him at the five. But like, I don't know. And I, I thought coming out of high school, Cole was supposed to have at least a little bit of a jumper. And I understand you got to get more acclimated. And we see this all the time. Freshmen come in for Michigan State and just refuse to shoot the basketball, um, trying to get acclimated into the team. Um, but even this year, he's had a couple chances where I thought he could step out and knock down a shot, and he hasn't. Uh, but Booker has not shown that fear to do that. Unfortunately, he's never on the floor, and they didn't even let him do that at the five spot on Tuesday night. I think he had one field goal attempt. Um, he took, didn't take a single three. Um, so it, it, we're getting there, I think, but I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to believe in Tom. I just, Carson Cooper and Madi Sissoko bring the same thing. Neither one of them. And that's catch nothing. Most nights it's nothing. I don't know. I it's to tough to get guy. mad because you see like, like Madi is always diving on the floor and trying to play with energy. He just simply, it, he just he's got cinder blocks for hands. He no, just, it, he just doesn't have it. You know what, Trent? Matt, I want to combine. I'll, you know what? I'll go ahead and combine both questions because I don't think we can talk about the five without talking about Booker a little bit. And your other question, too, Trent, was just, you know, 
you should Cohen or Booker get more minutes and be a bigger part of the rotation. I say we just blend them in right now because, you know, Merrifield, you already brought up uh, Booker playing more. So I guess, you know, just overall rotation thoughts, Trent, which mainly revolves around the freshman and the five. Well, okay, so big picture here. People are upset with Izzo, want to put him in a retirement home because he won't play the freshman. And I do understand it. Um, I'm about to drop a bomb on you guys maybe, but I'm excited to see what your responses are to this. My answer to this question, you got to play Booker more than you play Carr. Booker, the center is such a black hole. At this put on this team, I mean, it truly is. Matt just laid it out perfectly. So, Soko has bricks for hands or center blocks for hands, however you want to put it. Kohler, he's effort, but like not a whole lot of substance. It's more sizzle than substance. And Carson Cooper, just straight up, is not a division one basketball player. I will die on that hill. I like the guy, very good third center, him, local guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just not good. So, for me, while Cohen Carr, of course, had the game of his life against Michigan, and I do think he should play more, the guy who I think should play more of the two, whether it's Cohen Carr or Xavier Booker, is Booker. And Matt, I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about these guys, but I I think Booker is just what the doctor ordered for this team. And unfortunately, while I've been in Tom Izzo's corner for the last, I don't know, 25 years, I, it's hard for me to watch that guy sit and rot for lack of a better term on the bench Sloan. That's I mean, all. people are worried about him transferring, which I think that's a little bit extreme to talk about that right now. I'm not in panic mode by any means. I think it'd be immature not to, but you just salivate at the potential of a Booker at the five with, with his potential and he's shown some flashes. And if he can put that together a little bit more next to Malik, who can do a little bit of the dirty work. I mean, you think about that. It just kind of, Gets you going a little bit, Merrifield. But I almost wonder, my problem with playing Carr is that he is, unless you're on the fast break, he's an offensive liability. He can't He can't I agree, shoot. can't shoot. And can't he's only 6'5". Like you, you, can't, you can't shoot. He's got a better field goal percentage because his field goal percentage is just his dunks versus his – he can't shoot free throws. He can't shoot the ball. He has zero ability to stretch the floor as an undersized four. I almost I, like I think Booker should play more um, just for what he provides. And I think he's starting to kind of get the hang of things. We're seeing him progress little by little in the minutes he is getting. My question is, is almost uh, and we've kind of forgot about him because he's redshirting this year. But Garrick Norman on the wing, I almost wonder if that's kind of a player Michigan State needs this year. Like I almost I've almost I wondered what if Pierre year, didn't I transfer. I agree. Like what if what if Pierre didn't transfer? I understand there were off-court issues and he kind of just needed to get a fresh start but at the same time that's the kind of the style player Michigan State needs is a guy that can just knock down shots is a bigger good wing defender because Jade Nakins is 6'4 he's a he's a he's a true backcourt guard he's not he's really not a three um as much as we want him to be um Booker or Brooks is bigger can play the three maybe a little bit of the four if you want to go small um so I think genuinely that's kind of what they're missing and I'm excited to see what Norman can bring next year um, but I don't know. I just, I love Colin Carr. He's such an athletic freak, but man, offensively, he is kind of useless unless you're running on a fast break. I want to look forward a little bit. This is another, uh, Trent Valley special shout out, just absolute heat on the show sheet this afternoon. 
Four games left. I'm going to read them off right now in order. We've got the Buckeyes on Sunday and then at Purdue coming up on March 2nd as we flip the calendar. That's a huge one. Northwestern at home, it's going to be senior night. It should be an emotional one. And then you go to Indiana, and wow, they suck. So Trent's question is, over, under, on losses the rest of the way, one and a half. And I guess before we delve into this question, is this regular season losses, Trent? Yes. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to go ahead and, and, and make sure there was no asterisk here because of the Big Ten tournament. Honestly, the way I see this going the rest of the year, I if you had to give me the over or under, I'd probably have to pick the over. But let me explain myself a little bit. I'm still worried about that game at IU. It is concerning. We never play well there. Mike Woodson and company are terrible, but they're talented <laughs> enough to maybe surprise but somebody. Slow, slow. Northwestern at home. Say, oh, go ahead, Trent. That, that's our guy. No, it sucks to that say. Our guy. That's our guy, Mike Woodson. Go ahead. I hate to see him suck. But, like, to be honest with you, I very well see a path where this team maybe does lose two games the rest of the way in the regular season. I mean, obviously, Purdue is the one that stands out the most. I don't think Northwestern at home on senior day is a slam dunk. I'd like to think that'd be a game where they'd get up and it'd be emotional and stuff. But Northwestern's good, and I respect them a lot. And Boo Booey and this fan base have got a crazy rivalry. I wouldn't be as shocked at all to see a couple regular season losses, but then they'll pile two or maybe even three Big Ten tournament wins on top of it just because of how bad the Big Ten is. And we're looking at draws, and they, they aren't bad. I am tempted to take the over. Hate to be a hater, I but I just think that post Iowa, maybe I am a little bit shook. Um, I am gonna agree with you, Sloan. Which and I'm, I'm not gonna panic. I'm not gonna panic. Not to interrupt you, Trent, but if there is two, I'm not gonna panic because this, like Merrifield said, if this, if if we know anything from the past couple of years, we could. Lose two in the regular season, win a couple in the Big Ten tournament, and then just turn it on at the right time and coast into the second weekend. I'm not – I wouldn't panic if, if there is two, but I interrupted you, so my bad. No, you, no, you're no, you exactly right, and that's honestly, Sloan, where my head's at because I think this team is going to lose two more games out of the last four, which sucks because that means they're going to end up being an eight or nine seed. Here's what I'll also say. They're going to the Sweet 16. Two things can be true. I mean, they're going to – now, in the big picture, is this frustrating because of the preseason expectations? Of course it is. But I'll tell you right now, they're not beating Purdue. I mean, if they would have gone into the Purdue game undefeated ever since their last loss against Minnesota – We'd be then drawing maybe, up scenarios. I know that. Yes. So, I think they're losing to Purdue and Sloan. I'm actually with you. I think the game, senior day against Northwestern. I mean, I think they'll that win that game. It, that could I, get a little spicy. And I then, of course, at the, Indiana. The Indiana Cats. just seems to have a knack for <laughs> – it's a tough place to play for anybody. Bottom line, one and a half losses. I'm taking the over. And uh, two things can be true. I'm still taking them to make a run, Matt. That's all. I just think that that Northwestern game, you know, there's the Cats are also still fighting for seeding. I mean, obviously they're in, but – depending on who you look at and which source they're, you know, they are like a, I think I saw them as somebody's last four buys or something. I'm, so, I mean, they're going to want to win Merrifield. You're thinking hard right here, man. 
I think I think your mic's muted, Merrifield, but it's all right because we're emotional. We're, we're you know this is an emotional episode. This is a depression episode. So there's something that makes me feel like they're going to lose two. They shouldn't. Um, but Purdue and this team with this leadership group, it would be so fitting for them to lose on Senior Day. Like, and I wouldn't even be shocked. Like, I can just know, imagine sucks, AJ. Doesn't it? It just sucks. Like, wouldn't that be fitting for the AJ Hogarth yeah. era, which this might not yes. even be his senior day? Yes, man, it would. Back. It's not enough people are talking about it. You are not wrong in the slightest. And I, I think that's what is so frustrating for a lot of Spartan Nation is the fact that this, I mean, you saw it on Iowa. That was a microcosm of, like, this leadership and the lack of killer instinct. I don't mean to pile on to those guys because I just said, I think they're going to make a run. I truly believe that. But you're exactly right. They could absolutely lose on senior day to a good Northwestern team. What was yeah, going on with it, This is a bit of an aside. But what was going on with – I hate losing to Fran McCaffrey, so that also is terrible. What was going on with him in the I there was, there was something going on at the end of that game. He looked a little prickly, maybe like FranCon 4. You know, I don't know what was going on. Any drama, Merrifield, that you picked up on in the Izone? I was not there. I uh, I made the what turned out to be the wise decision to sell my ticket for Tuesday night. Maybe that's why they lost is because I was not in attendance. Um, All right, we're blaming but, you. But um, I don't know. I still think back to what he pulled against. You can blame me. I don't care. Uh, I'm still thinking back to what he pulled against uh, Michigan State last year with the ref and Iowa City, which – Still laughable. I mean, we were all we, we watched that game together, Sloan, and how that was. Oh, that was how he got away with that. Ground, but I was. Anyways, I was we can move on. Guys, I before we move on, I had to watch that game in the car on a stream on my phone. It was the worst scenario to watch a collapse like that. I had to watch it on my phone, the grainy little screen, and then just. Three point after three point from Peyton Sanford. Now he's got a brother on the team who absolutely killed us the other night. Go ahead, Sloan. I what a terrible day. That's all I gotta say. You know what? We're gonna put a pin in this. We're all going with the over one and a half the rest of the way. Once again, Buckeyes, Boilermakers, Wildcats, and Hoosiers. Not gonna be shocked. Sloan. Not gonna panic. Oh, go ahead, Merrifield. You you got the last. Oh, point. I'm just. We talking about that game in Iowa City last year, which sent our fan base into a tizzy, uh, similar to this one. That was the 25th of February last year, so we are right on schedule with this basketball team, um, in my opinion, of just being an absolute disaster class to close out a season. And I don't know, I I think they'll find they're going to make the tournament. They'll do what they have to do to make the tournament, be an eight, probably a seven seed, and then just fingers crossed they don't get UNC. That's that's the biggest thing. So well, I want to talk about something now. Yeah, that'd be a mess. I want to talk about something now that's not as much of a disaster. We uh, there there was we're recording this here on a Thursday afternoon. It's beautiful. I'm watching the sunset right now, and it's quite romantic. And this is a team that's starting to get us get us going. And especially Trent. There was a lot of group chat discussion today after the Tigers signed. Third base ace Gio Urshela to a one-year, one-and-a-half-million-dollar deal. That dude can pick it, and he can hit a little bit. I mean, injuries limited him to like 60 games last year with the Angels, but this is a guy who can play around the diamond a little bit. 
Um, you know, we're, this is we're, this is locally here. We're, we're doing the Detroit dance now. But this is a guy who can defend at multiple positions, veteran, by all means, a well-liked guy in the clubhouse. Gets on, you know, doesn't get on base. You know, gets on base at a decent clip, but walks at a mediocre clip. But, hey, you know what? I don't think he, he's not your starter at third base. It, it, if there's anything we know, they're gonna they're gonna platoon the hell out of this team, and I'm all here for it. So I think he's just a nice little piece. Takes a little pressure off Colt Keith. Takes a little pressure off you know some of these guys they're using at third. Allows Veerling to play the outfield a little bit more. You know he can play shortstop if Baez needs a blow. He can rotate into the DH spot. I do think this team maybe needed one more bat. Maybe I people say maybe that became more apparent in the first days of spring training, but. One year, one and a half million dollars as a bridge to Jace Young a little bit. I'm fired up about this trend. Yeah, so what I'm about to say might frustrate some people, but we have to keep everything in perspective. So did the Tigers meet expectations last season? No, they didn't. I mean, I think we all thought they would be competing for the division well into September. They didn't. They weren't. Now, I roll those expectations over to this season, but let me zoom out for a second. Third base is a problem. You've got to fill that hole, and long-term, I think they've got options there. Here's the problem. For the short-term, you don't have an answer, and that's why you signed, uh, what's-his-face, excuse me, Urshela. Sorry, I forgot to say. Uh, I'm cool with what's-his-face. Hey, he's new. <laughs> he's new. We're still learning names here. God, his name. I feel like I'm in third grade. Hey, what's your name? No, for real, though. I mean, the first thing I did was, and this sounds a little lazy, a little surface level, but I looked at his batting average, and he hits. He hit 299 last season. He hasn't hit below 265 since I was in high school, since Sloan and I were in high school. So for a Tigers team that's biggest problem is the bats, I think this is a great signing. It's only for one year. That's all it is. It's a bridge, like Sloan just alluded to. And again, he's not going to play every day, but he'll play probably 60% of the games, and he'll hit close to 300. He'll be a good contact guy for you to put to bury in that 6-7 spot in your lineup. And again, this is probably something that is a bigger picture issue, and I'll turn it over to Matt here in a second, but I think... The Tigers have a bigger, I don't want to say problem because I don't think it's a problem, but the Tigers are hoping more for the guys like Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Kerry Carpenter, those guys to take a step than they are for a guy like Urshela to come in and save the day. It's more like let's have those guys all take a step in their young careers and then the guys like Urshela and even a Javi Baez can fade into their role in the rotation. And that's all I got, man. I, hey, Andy Abanez, too, very solid last year. He, he yeah. was good. Merrifield, do they stop here, or do they go sign J.D. Martinez next? <laughs> but I put you right on the spot. I think – I feel like from what I've seen, the initial reaction from the signing is either um, this is a great signing or this is an awful set, signing, like uh, Mike Merrifield thinks, where he kind of was saying he's – the same as some of the other options at third base, which I also don't agree with. I think it's a solid ed- addition. He's a very good fielder at third base. He's an average hitter. His career OPS plus is 102, I believe. So he is average, which is fine because this team needs average, if we're being completely honest. Um, so 
I, I'm a little I, – I disagree with you, Trent, on my um, uh, thoughts on the team going to last year. I didn't think they were going to compete. They actually exceeded what I thought they were going to be. I didn't think they had any hitting whatsoever. Um, but the one concern is that if Urshela is one of their better hitters just in general, this team might be in trouble. Um, like they're going to have – obviously, Green and Torkelson have to take the load. Javi Baez has to figure something out. If he's league average, that's great. Um, so – but oh, – for the Urshela signing by itself, I think it's a fine signing um, for one year. Like whatever he does, he does. And um, but I, I mean, he's a solid player, and he's better than what they have right now at third base. So I don't, I don't mind the signing. We've got some other transactional news. Actually, a pair of them for another team locally. This is our beloved Detroit Lions, who, you know, everyone's reading the tea leaves right now on Brad Holmes like one press conference he's had this offseason and they're freaking out because they don't think we're going to spend money. Everybody relax. Stop talking about Jared Goff. He's the quarterback of the present and the future. Just everyone relax. So we're going to relax by talking about a couple of pretty low impact moves here. Tracy Walker, he was uh, waived. And Michael Badgley, the money badger, is back. Um, You know, just instant reaction to uh, let's go head over to the lion's desk with Trent's instant reaction to uh, both moves here. Uh, Tracy Walker, that one, this is going to sound silly. That one made me sad because that's a guy who I'm talking Sloan when you and I were freshmen at Michigan state. And I, uh, I think that was Tracy Walker's rookie year with Detroit. Football player, and- baby. He, he was a great player. He wore number 47, that ugly number 47. And then, of course, converted to 21, and my good buddy Ryan Collins was like, well, I'm in on Tracy Walker because he changed his number. But um, all, all things set aside, like Tracy Walker was a guy who, when you go on a run like the Lions just did, a lot of the credit goes to the present regime, as it should. A lot of the credit goes to the Penny Sewell, the Jared Goff, the Jameer Gibbs, the David Montgomery on the defensive side, Aiden Hutchinson, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, all those guys. But you sometimes forget about the guys that have been around since, you know, for five, six years, like a Frank Ragnow, a Taylor Decker, and Tracy Walker is firmly in that category. So, of course, I wish him the best. Um there's rumors the Lions might still try to re-sign him if they can sort of restructure the contract. But as far as the move goes, Sloan, um, Brian Branch resurgence, or not even resurgence, just him bursting onto the scene. If the Atu Malafan will becoming a hero towards the end of the season, Kirby Joseph becoming a hero in the last two years, it, it makes sense, but it just it still sucks. And it's the business of sports. And let me throw in this. Last but not least, cherry on top. It does suck to it's a good problem to have when like the cherry on top of your season is losing a guy that you've had for six, seven years who you're just gonna miss. And that that's how I feel about Tracy Walker. Merrifield, is Michael Badgley going to be the kicker or do they draft and or bring in another one? I special teams expert. Badgley's not bad. He did miss a field goal with the Lions. He's, he's a fine kicker. Um, I just – it's questioning whether – I mean, I guess it's a style of play question coming into – I mean, we can go back to the San Francisco game on the decisions whether to kick or not. I know Badgley was a very good kicker for Detroit. Um, I don't love it, but, I mean, I think he's a fine kicker. Um, but for the crowd of we need a kicker so that way they can, you know, go out and 
don't need to go for it on every single fourth down. Um, I know not every kicker is Justin Tucker, but I'm fine with it. Well, you know they're going to. They're going to go for it. We had Justin Tucker, he'd be. The argument now is, well, now they have to go for it because it's Michael Badgley um, versus when you have Justin Tucker, it's, well, you should kick it because it's a guaranteed three points. Hey, Matt, Matt, spin zone. Maybe that's why they signed him. Let's sign this mediocre kicker so that way we can always have an excuse to go for it. I'm so, here for so it. It's it's like a money ball where you, you, you can't play a Giambi because he's traded. You can't play Payne yet first. Some to Detroit. You can't play. You have to go for it, Dan. You, uh, we don't have a kicker. The Lions, Sloan. These Lions, man. Hey, all I'm saying is that everybody needs to take a chill pill here on this golf extension thing. You got to pay the man. Let Brad Holmes cook. I just every day, whether it be on social media or I'm listening to the radio, everyone's trying to find reasons to freak out. Everyone just needs to calm down. We're in the infancy of the offseason. This is interesting timing. We've got a fun hockey team. Shout out the Wings. They got off to just a dreadful start on the West Coast road trip and then bounced back to beat uh, the Flames, my pet team, and then uh, Seattle, shout out. Uh, So that actually didn't end up too bad for them. I would have taken a 500 trip. But then, so they extend Michael Rasmussen this week. Interesting timing on that. This can be a quick one. I like Rasmussen's game. Uh, heavy, two-way player, big. I, I still think there's some untapped potential. Um, he's developed really nicely after I thought he was going to be nothing. It's pretty affordable. Uh, I'm all here for it. I give it a passing grade. Yeah, me too. There's no reason not to. I mean, he's tall. His skating's got a lot better. Matt, I'll toss it to you. Who knows a lot of more lot more about hockey but like he is a guy who's like was he an Iserman pick or am I wrong I believe I believe he was was. yeah he's he's an Iserman pick and he's actually played really well this season I don't think it's a accident that a guy like that has played really well this season a guy like Patrick Kane who credit to Iserman you go out make that move has played well this season and you're you you are where you are basically Matt pleased yeah I mean, he's still young. Uh, looking at his numbers, he's got what twenty-three points in fifty-five games this year. Um, he's probably gonna reach his career high by the end of the season. I mean, he's been solid, um, and it's a relatively friendly deal, good two-way player. So I'm happy with it. But uh, I would like it known that the Red Wings are not the best team in the state of Mich- best hockey team in the state of Michigan right now. But that be our Spartans. We're not talking. We're not talking Spartan hockey today. Today, unfortunately, oh. we can't after they uh, win the Big Ten this weekend. Hey, by the way, real quick, great problem to have. And as we record today on a Thursday, it is the 44th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. Shout out. Happy anniversary to all who celebrate. You know what? we got to get all four teams in because, you know, that's just what we do here when we talk about our local teams. This is going to be, you know, potentially the, the fastest talking point ever. Trent put this in here. Buddy Beheim, he's no longer a G League property. He's now official Pistons property. They signed him to a two-way deal. Trent, or that's a it, it's something, you know. By the time we recorded, I even I, I forgot I even put that in. Look, uh, the show I produce, Miller and Moulton, down here in Southwest Florida. One of our listeners tweeted at me. He was like, "Hey, you got Buddy Beheim on the Pistons." I'm like, "Oh, okay, great. Thumbs up." Yeah, Buddy Beheim's actually been fine. It's just I, I threw this in here a hundred percent as a joke, Matt. That's all. I I don't have many opinions on Buddy Bayheim other fun. than 
when was he when was his senior year was it 21 2021 they were in the tournament they were like yeah, 11 seed. He, he was they, like really he was good i i had them going to the elite eight that year because i'm like buddy Bayheim can shoot it from the parking lot this team's going on a run because it's syracuse and they do this shit every single year and they almost did i think they won i think they made it to the sweet 16 before losing that year they so did. i'm they, a buddy they won a couple guy. Games. he they was won a couple he games. was like he was like Caitlin Clark before Caitlin Clark. He was just a shot chucker from anywhere on the. As soon as he touched the ball, he was shooting. Um, but and God bless the Syracuse zone. Uh, Rip, but. gone but never forgotten. That's a great transition. Actually, we're going to do in or out now. We're going to go back to college basketball. I think this is a fun question. Trent put this one in. He's having an excellent afternoon. We were, we're, you know, what? It's not the middle of the night. We're recording during an afternoon. This is a little bit different. Might have to do this again. So either UConn or Purdue win the national championship. So one of those two, you can get both, or the field. So UConn or Purdue or everybody else. And I'll just I'll go ahead and start. I'm going to take everybody else. And it's I like this question because you get some good value on the other end of it because you get both of them. I actually think Purdue would be more likely to do it in my book than UConn this year. Because it, I mean, it's it. Oh, this is it's going to be cliche, but if it's ever going to be this year, it's going to be this year. We say that every year, but I will take the field. College hoops has been crazy. I think you just look at the Big Twelve as your top example. They just cannibalize each other. It's been fun. The tournament's going to be a blast because there's so many solid teams that have just kind of beaten up on each other. Mainly in the Big Twelve. Shout out the Mountain West. They're going to get six teams in. I'll take the field, but. You know, I don't want this to be a cop-out because I do think the other one is interesting because you get UConn, who's a power. The loss to Creighton was surprising, and you get Purdue. But I'll take the field because let's have fun. Let's get nuts this March. Trent. Hey, Sloan, the, this question was crafted from the brain of a sick mind like me, and it was crafted specifically for someone like you to come and attack it the way that you did. You just nailed it. You hit the nail on the head. I you appreciate it very out. much because I was nervous about this one. No, th- this is exactly the right way to go. And I'm nervous to say all this to set up Matt, but I really do believe you got to take the field here. I mean, UConn either has to repeat or you got to bet on Purdue. So are you feeling good about either one of those things? I'm not, Matt. No. Uh, I First off, connecting UConn and the Pistons. Shout out Kevin Ollie, now the interim head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. So here for it. The uh, the Nets play the Pistons in Detroit in a couple weeks. I might have to make my way to LCA for that game. Um, You're such a troll. <laughs> hate it. You When I woke up to seeing Vaughn being, getting fired, I knew, myself and Nick Burton knew, it was Kevin's job for the taking, and I just I, I hope they make the plan. I hope they win the plan. That's all I need. But uh, back to UConn and Purdue. Um, no, they're not. Uh, I, UConn's not repeating. Uh, even if they make it out of the first weekend, I I, I just don't see it. Um, and on the other side, it's Purdue. Um, I, I think that's enough said. I think we kind of saw that it's kind of the same year. New, or new year, same thing with the Boilermakers when they lost at Columbus on Sunday. They just... And they, you know, you send smaller big men at them. I know Akpar is not small uh, at the five for Ohio State, but still just there's a recipe to beat Purdue and it's kind of make their, their guards beat you. Whatever Edie does, Edie does. And uh, I just don't think the guards are quite there. So, but 
This leads me into the Mike Merrifield question of the week. And I know we're doing in and out, but Mike Merrifield wants hey, to know at any time. As of, we're as of right now, what is your final four? Oh God. What a great question, Mike. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know me. what? I just want I, I'm gonna like as a quick aside, I think we should just do this with like little thought. Like the, the teams that come to our head first, like just gut. Like this is whole, like completely gut. Like I'll do it right now. Creighton, Purdue, New Mexico State, <laughs> or pardon me, the Lobos. And I think, see, the, the, we're, I want everyone to just rapid fire this. We're going to go with the Lobos, Purdue, Creighton. And then my other one is going to be Tennessee. Random. We're going with randomness and craziness. Okay, Sloan, I Rick like your Barnes faith. You, you might have picked the biggest collective of frauds in the entire field. You pick- oh, come on. I love Creighton. They're my national oh, champs. Creighton's a perennial sweet 16 team. Okay. Trying to- one of my biggest disappointments ever in all of sports was when – Bill Self won a national title a couple of years ago because I was like, I loved betting against Bill Self in March. But um, Sloan, I can't disagree with you in some ways, but I'll just rattle off my four because I like I like the Chaos, organic. To rattle. I'm going to be completely honest, and I believe this with every fiber in me. Michigan State's going to the final four. I will throw... Judas Maud. No planning. This is the point of this is no planning. I like I like Bama. I think this is the year Bama puts it together. Nate Oates goes to the final four. Um future Michigan State coach. I do think UConn makes it there. I don't think they win the natty, but I think they make it to the final four. And my fourth team, give me Florida Atlantic. They're gonna be like a five seed, four seed, five seed. They're making a run, Matt. All right, no thought, Merrifield. Just words. Shoot from the All hip. Right. Uh, I think you're looking at three. The three ones I'm confident in, I like a lot, are UNC and Houston, along with uh, – I'm torn. I like Tennessee Yuck. and Arizona a lot. We'll go UN, UNC, Houston. We'll go We'll go Tennessee. And then I think what? it's going to be a Cinderella team. I, I there's, so, there's not enough teams that aren't fraudulent that are good enough for me to pick. He's right. And then for my Boys. Cinderella – um, since Trent, since you took Michigan State, I'll go with Grand Canyon. Let's see. I think the Antelope's going a little run. Low Matt, Matt, you, They're Matt, gonna be a dangerous eleven. They're gonna be a dangerous eleven out of the whack. Okay, so eleven seed. So we're doing the Jim Laranega. We gotta get Jim Laranega on the show next week. Hey Jim, would you like to talk about an eleven seed going to the Final Four? I love it. We can get him as a guest. You're a Florida guy, Trent. Oh. I'll die trying, Sloan. You know what? We're having fun now. We're hitting our stride. Trent mentioned it. Happy 40, 40, uh, 44th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. And Trent's question is, this is a slam dunk for me, is Miracle a Mount Rushmore sports movie for you? And it's it's easily an in for me. This, remember the Titans. I mean, those are like my two slam dunk Mount Rushmore sports movies. The rest can kind of figure itself out. I'll have to think about all the baseball ones that I love, but this is the most in I've ever been on anything in my life. Here's the funny thing with sports movies is you have your camp of like real life movies that are like, you know, Hoosiers and remember the Titans. 
and Miracle. And then you have like Space Jam and the Sandlot and that sort of stuff. So I, I'm out on this. It's not because I don't like Miracle. It's just if I want to know about the 1980 U.S. men's national hockey team, I'd rather watch the YouTube highlights. I'd rather watch the Al Michaels call of, do you believe in miracles? Counting down from 11 seconds. I'd rather watch that. The movie itself is fine. But if I start listing movies, you know, it's it's hard for me to find a spot for Miracle, Matt. All right, you're the hockey guy, Matt. You got the, you're the tiebreaker. I'm torn. This is the shootout. Before I came before I came to Michigan State, I would have said definitiv- definitively yes. But then I've discovered that there are a group of people that love this movie obsessively for no reason. And it's over like it's almost like it's like the default hockey movie that everybody loves. And it's like, guys, like, no, like, I don't know. Like, I like even I, I don't like I feel like I'm gatekeeping from the hockey standpoint of things where it's like, no, people don't know hockey, but they know Miracle. Um, but I'm going to go yes because I'm not going to let other people ruin the movie for me. But, like, at the same time, I just my, – my taste for Miracle has kind of diminished the last couple of years because there are some people that swear by the movie, and that's, like, where they get their hockey love from. And I guess that's a good place to start from, but it's – I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just being an old man yelling at the clouds or something, but I'm that in on really it. I I think that was a mature answer. I give you credit for that. This is something that where – this is we're going to wrap this up on kind of a, a sour note, unfortunately, because this was last weekend in Indy. I was actually there after the Butler game. But NBA All-Star Weekend, has it become worse than the Pro Bowl? I'm going to say no. I mean, you got these you got the Pro Bowl out here. They're playing like balance the egg on the spoon and dodgeball and like a <laughs> sack race or whatever. I, I love, you know, I, I'm still a dunk contest guy. That might be a cold take. I still enjoy it. Shout out Mac McClung. I thought Jalen Brown wasn't horrible. I was kind of pleased by his presence. I enjoyed the three-point contest. I like the Rising Stars game. I think the Rising Stars game is decently entertaining because you've got a lot of good young talent you can throw in there. I'm still okay on the NBA All-Star weekend. I like it better than hockey. I like it better than the NFL. So I'm, I'm out on that one. Here's my problem. Did I watch the Pro Bowl games? Because... There were five Lions in it. Of course I did. Did I watch NBA All-Star Weekend? Because I'm a producer at a local radio show that talks about sports. Of course I did. I loved both. So I'm not really the guy to ask. But I'll tell you right now, man, the NFL has become that what they did. At, give them credit for at least tweaking the, uh, the format to make things more watchable. The NBA All-Star Weekend, it's a problem. So I am out on the NBA All-Star Weekend being more watchable than the Pro Bowl Weekend. I don't know if that's exactly how the question was phrased, but whatever. All Man, right, Barrett, you're the tiebreaker um, again here. I'm out. I'm with you, Sloan. I'm out on that take. I think the nice. NBA All-Star Game is fine. I think – an issue I have with the NBA All-Star Game, and I get it's a numbers game in terms of how many people you can bring, but I think there's kind of a problem that not every team is represented um, with an All-Star in every other sport. I believe every team gets one no, player to go. No, no. I, I, just, I, I don't – and not that the Pistons have an All-Star because, I mean, Cade is – it, let, Let's not make this a Pistons thing. I want to make this – I'm not trying to make it a Pistons thing. I'm guys, simply – If you'll allow me, sport. I want to draw the parallel to the MLB where, like, 
everyone has to be represented. But okay. In the NHL, they do that. I, I understand. In the NHL, the teams are smaller. The rosters are smaller. So it works a little better. In the MLB, you know who the Tigers All-Stars were the last four years? It was Michael Lorenzen last year, who they traded a couple Greg. weeks later. Before Greg that, Soto. it was Greg Soto two years in a row. And before that, it was Joe Jimenez. None of those guys are all-stars. Have all-stars. I agree. I'm still of the belief of every team should have an all-star because it's for the fans and it's for the league. It's the whole league. I get I get both sides of it, but I still to watch think, whatever Kansas City Royals, you know, is playing in the Midsummer Classic. Bobby Witt is better than any Tiger right now. I hope you know that. No, okay, not true. We're going to have that argument at some other point. We're going to have that argument. That is simply – that is not that, – that's what the radical left is telling you. The <laughs> radical left is feeding Matt these, <laughs> these narratives – no, for real though. If they want to do this, everyone's invited. Why don't they just call it the MLB Star Invitation? Yeah, it, it can't be the All Star Game if everyone's represented. Because All Star, the term All Star needs to be stars. stars. It's that simple. Yeah. Okay, uh, we we have the unfortunate disadvantage of living in a city where we have multiple teams that don't have all-stars and how is that the rest of the league's fault like i feel like if you we were in new york we wouldn't feel the same way about it because we'd actually have multiple players that we could send um we might have to have a bobby witt like spencer torkelson debate here on the next let's have bobby witt on the podcast (laughs) back to back to what we started at i think the nhl all-star game is still better than the nba I think I think the NHL All Star Game is the best product of all of them. I think it's better than the MLB. I, I think the MLB. Baseball. I think baseball gets the bump because it's the only thing on, so people just are like they just accept what it is for what it is. And I like the MLB All Star Game, but from a skills competition standpoint, I prefer the NHL over the Home Run Derby. I, but anyways, Pro Bowl is awful. It's unwatchable. We. I don't need to watch Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts get into an accuracy competition where neither one of them hit over half their passes. Jalen Hurts is out here playing injured in the Pro Bowl. That's a that right there, football guy. You know what? <laughs> we do it every week. We hand out winners. Except last week I handed out Butler plus two and a half against Creighton at home and they ended up getting washed in the second half and lost. So I hope people didn't listen to me on that one. Still go Bulldogs. But it is the gambling corner. We, it's a smattering of picks, three total usually, but in case one of us wants to pepper in multiple, I actually have got my pick pre-prepared because I'm going to hop on my soapbox for this one. Do you, so I'll just go first here. I'm just going to call my own number here, as they say. Do it. We're going to go to the association. This is tomorrow night, and this is providing me an opportunity to, um, you know, like I said, advocate for a team of which I am a big fan of. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they're at the Philadelphia 76ers laying four and a half. I will lay those points. Love the Cavs this year. Uh, I think that they were getting healthy at the right time. Darius Garland and, and Evan Mobley no longer have minutes restrictions. The Sixers stink post-Embiid. I think this could be a blowout on the home floor of the Sixers in the city of brotherly love. I'm going Cavs minus four and a half tomorrow night. All for one, Trent. I'll make mine quick. Excuse me. I love me some Eric Musselman. And while I am not going to the Arkansas Razorbacks, 
because they suck this year. I will also, I will call upon his, I don't know if alma mater is the right word. I'm I'm talking Nevada. I'm talking Nevada hoops. Nevada takes on San Jose State. They're nine and a half point favorites, Nevada is. Give me the nine and a half. That game is tomorrow night at 10 p.m., by the way, Matt. Give me the bat. All right, Merrifield, finish us off. I got a Metro Detroit College Hoops parlay tonight as Oakland, U of D, and Michigan are all playing. Give me Wright State to cover the 11 at U of D. Give me Northwestern to cover the 11 over Michigan tonight in Evanston. And give me the Golden Grizzlies 2024 NCAA tournament team, Oakland Grizzlies. This is the year Coach Campy gets it done. Um, they're favored by four at Robert Morris. So give me that. That's my little parlay. So Oakland, and then I'm fading UAD and Michigan tonight. You might have to Can call we have a quick here. discussion about Greg Campy and Oakland? Can we have a quick discussion about Greg Campy and Oakland? Yeah, so it can be, it can be fast. I'll, I'll allow it. I just, I simply want to ask. I mean, he's been there forever. We all love him. At what point? Like, Matt, I think it was you who was active on X this week. If he doesn't win the Horizon this year, no one wants to talk about it. But, like, this is the year to do it. Make it happen. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think fine. I texted you guys that asking when 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 is it finally going to be the year? He's had plenty of NBA talent. Kendrick Nunn was on that team a couple years ago, and they should have made the tournament. They didn't. They had uh, Kay Felder, the five nine king, didn't make Shout the tournament. Out. They've had multi, they have Rocket Watts couldn't make the tournament with him. Is he still in college? I don't know. I think. He might be. I don't even know. That tells you how much Oakland basketball I watch. But they they have to do it at some point, right? Like they've had too many good teams. The Horizon League is awful. All the bracketology have them in as a 15 seed. And if they make it, I'm picking them to win a game, especially if they play Marquette. Give it to me. But yes, this is the year for the Grizzlies. All right, gents. Episode three in the books. Quick episode grades. I'm going to go with a B plus, just because we're not talking about a Spartan win. But otherwise, I think we brought it. Michigan State may not have this past week, but we did. So, nice B+. Plus. That's, that was my GPA in high school and college. Sloan, you took the words right out of my mouth. This was a B+. Plus. I know what we're capable of. I know what we're better than. And this was uh, not the standard, necessarily, but we are the three of us. Anytime we get behind the mic, on the camera, we are industry standard. So, I'll give us a B+. Plus. We can do All right, better. last word, Merrifield. You're bringing oh, our average up or down. I'll go with I'll go with a minus. I thought we had some good content this afternoon, but nice. rallying together, fighting through illnesses, coming through, chopping through three classes to come home and talk cool. about Greg Campy making the tournament. I think overall we fought, and uh, I'm I'm over. I'm very happy with this episode. It's no BS episode three. We'll see you next week.